Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, Happy holidays. Uh, Whatever you want to say. I'm Ed, and I'm coming to you from quarantine here in Detroit. And um, this is a very special deep dive, right? Um, We are going to be talking about how St. Nick became Santa Claus. Uh, And... You'll notice that the um, episodes have been a little bit shorter. Don't worry about it. Um, Honestly, Will and I have both been very busy. uh, And that's it. Yeah. Um, So welcome to the show. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this. I put a lot of research into it. uh, And I'm going to take a break real fast. I know I just started, right? (laughs) And I will be back in one second. And I'm back. So, I have been doing a lot of research into Santa Claus. uh, For multiple reasons. But, um, I was really intrigued with the historical aspect of of the man who has become the, kind of the center of the holiday. Um, I I know some Christians are going to argue that Jesus is the center, but, um... For the sake of being secular here, we're going to say Santa. Uh, And so, I set out on a mission to learn all I could. And there's a a lot of information and there's no information. (laughs) It's one of the two. (laughs) Honestly. Um, I, I could not find the exact birthday... Uh, of St. Nick Klaus, um, who would later be known as Santa Claus. Uh, but we know he was born in the 300s. Um, likely, I believe it was like 305 or so. And he was a very religious man. Uh, so this part was really surprising to me. He was uh, a very religious I figure he was even a bishop in in the church of Myra. Uh, Myra was what would now be considered Turkey. Uh, Excuse me. Let me rephrase this. Myra was a city in the country that is now Turkey. And Nick, or Nicholas as he was known was a very popular man, a very popular figure around town. Um, He was also an orphan. His parents died when he was very, very young and left him a lot of money. Um, And we're going to get into kind of like the mythology in a little bit. But um, one of the things that was really compelling was how devout... Uh, Nicholas was to uh, the church. Uh, he was a, he became a bishop and would spread the word at every opportunity he got. And his popularity grew so large and so fast uh, that he actually mostly became the face of the church. Um, And this wasn't one of those, like, political things where there was some jealous, evil person on the side and 
grr, you know, there was nothing really scandalous that I could find about this. Um, it, it really landed um, just more in the realm of this was a thing that happened. Um, and according to multiple sources, uh, Nicholas would tithe regularly, um, help the poor people, and just overall, like, basically do what Christians should be doing today, right? So, um, that was, that was a really cool introduction for me into kind of his world. Uh, he, I'm looking at my notes here. He was just one of those guys who everyone loved. Um, Men wanted to have a beer with him. Women wanted to date him. Um, But he didn't actually seem to be very big on the whole dating scene. Um, In fact... Um, and this is, this was kind of a big shock for me. Um, it didn't actually appear that there was a Mrs. Klaus. Um, if, if there was, she was really well hidden because I could not find anything about her. Um, it seems like Mrs. Claus was invented as his companion, uh, sometime in the 1800s. So, Probably about 1,500 years after he was alive, um, an author decided, hey, you know what this dude needs? He needs a wife, and we're going to give him one. Um, Which, I mean, I guess more power. (laughs) Um, But as far as any historical records go, there was no Mrs. Claus. Uh, Nick, who would later be sanctified became um was was a an older religious man who simply liked to do good things and we're going to talk about some of those good things that he did coming up in just one second and i'm back so i've been hinting at the mythology and the um good deeds that saint nick did so let's talk about them. Um, the most well-known story uh, goes like this. There was a poor man who had three daughters. His wife had passed on. Um, so the eldest daughter was coming of marrying age. And in those days, uh, the family of the bride had to pay a dowry. Well, the poor man didn't have the money to pay um, for a husband for his daughter. So they feared that all three of the women, all all three of his daughters were going to become spinsters. St. Nick heard of, of this and grew um, saddened by the thought. So he put some gold in a sack went up to the chimney when he knew everyone was sleeping and dropped the gold down the chimney. There just happened to be some stockings hanging by the fire to dry out. The gold landed 
neatly into one. When the old man woke up, or when the poor man woke up, rather, <coughs> uh, they were, he was shocked to find this money. Uh, and that he was so overwhelmed and pleased that he would be able to pay for his daughter to get wed, to get married. So, you know, they they paid a dowry, she got married, and everyone was really happy, but it bothered, it bothered the poor man that he didn't know where the money came from. A year or so later, the second daughter came of marrying age, and once again, the poor man was worried about paying the dowry. And just like before, St. Nick went up on the chimney, dropped a sack of gold down, and they landed in a stocking. The poor man woke up, was pleased as punch that his middle daughter would be able to get married. But he was still confounded by the generosity of whoever was giving him the money so his daughters could get married. (coughs) When the third daughter came of age... He waited up trying to find out who was the generous soul. <clears throat> and weeks stretched on and nothing happened. And he then grew very concerned that uh, his miracles were used up. And that his, his youngest daughter would indeed become the spinster he feared all three of them would be. But, um, one night, Saint Nick climbed up on the roof, but this time, the poor man heard him, and had been waiting for him, and caught him. And the two had a very pleasant talk, uh, and the poor man thanked him for his generosity, and Saint Nick said, I don't want applause, I don't want anything other than for you to keep this secret. I don't want people to know what um, what is happening. You know, I don't want everyone to know that I, I gave you this money. Well, as it tends to do in a small town, word got out. And uh, word started to spread that Saint Nick was a very generous soul who was giving away presents. And from this story, two of our um, two of our traditions, our two of our modern traditions, came roaring to life. Um, Hanging the stockings by the chimney with care, and. Uh, believing that Santa is the one who is giving us gifts. <clears throat> um, and we're going to talk about in the next in the next segment, we're going to talk about where Santa was um, and why it took him a little bit longer to give the gold to the third daughter. I'll be right back. And I'm back. Um, so, dear, between the second and third daughter, 
uh, needing gold, uh, St. Nick was at a religious conference that had been called. Um, Some of the major emperors of the day were imposing laws on Christianity uh, that basically outlawed it, that said it was bad, uh, and that anyone who practiced that religion should be jailed. So, all of these religious figures got together and were trying to work out how to oppose the emperor. Um, And they also wanted to um, set a calendar and uh, these sort of little minute details that everyone agreed on um, even if they approached um, religion differently. Well, as the story goes, um, Emperor Diocletian, Diocletian, rather, viewed St. Nick's actions, um, first of all, just by going to the, the conference as um, extreme, basically, and, uh, he also claimed that, uh, St. Nick was breaking the law, and so he ordered the guards to seize him, and so St. Nick was in jail for quite a while, until Emperor Constantine took power and released St. Nick. And uh, from... uh, Though it's a little bit fuzzy here, it is believed that during this time um, was when the the third daughter came of age to marry. And St. Nick truly wanted to get back uh, and make sure that the dower that the money for the dowry was given to the poor man. Um, so he met with Constantine, said thank you for releasing me, and uh, hightailed it over to Myra so he could drop the money. And then, after the money was given, he went back to the conference. I'm sorry, <laughs> I I read my note wrong. Of about two decades later, um, they had another conference, um, and this one was working again, working out the details and trying to make sure everything was going smoothly and and all that jazz. Uh, but the tensions this time were really high, and um, instead of bringing all the all the denominations together, um, this con- this con- conference or council or whatever you want to call it was actually splintering it. Um, there were groups who believed um, that the, believed in the Holy Trinity. There were um, another group that believed it was all one person, and 
this was the cause of many a debate and physical fights. Um, it has been said that um, St. Nick punched a man in the nose because he got in his face. Basically, they were brawling um, and the guard seized them and jailed them um, for the fight. Uh, it, no, no source was completely on about how long it was. Most say about three to four weeks, a very short amount of time. There was no trial. Uh, and then St. Nick was released and went back to um, Myra. <clears throat> um, and once he was back in Myra, that's where things got really kind of interesting. I'm going to be back with the last part of the mythology. Don't miss it. And I'm back. So this is my favorite part of the mythology. Uh, St. Nick had passed on. And uh, there were a group of sailors who were carrying a cargo of wheat. The sailors all swear that St. Nick appeared before them and said... Please deliver this wheat to Myra. The people you're taking it to are very wealthy. They won't miss it. Uh, But it will help feed the people of Myra for years. And they can also plant it. And they'll have a continual food supply. Myra had been hit by a huge famine. And uh, it was just in really bad shape. So the sailors um, pulled in to port and began unloading the wheat. And they all went to the church and they noted that there was a picture of the man that came to them. And it was explained who he was and what he did. And they were like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's really interesting. Like, you know... I don't think that they knew really what to think at this point. Um, all I knew is that this man had come to them and asked them to deliver the food, and that's what they did. So, um, the, the townspeople invited them for a feast, and they all ate, and the sailors set sail for their original destination. And all of them were, when they, they arrived in the dock, they began to unload the wheat. And they were worried about what to tell uh, the rightful owners. But then they noticed something. The, none of the wheat was missing. They still had the same amount of wheat in their ship. And they were very confused by what happened. Uh, everyone has chalked this up to, as a miracle. Um, and it was, it, that's actually one of the things um, 
one of the quote-unquote miracles that led to Nicholas Klaus uh, becoming a saint. Um, the other was, again, dealing with sailors. Um, they had reached choppy water, and their vessel uh, was pushed into shallow water and hit the, hit the bottom. They were taking on water. They were about to drown. And St. Nick appeared before them and worked on fixing the vessels, um, the, the holes in the vessel and getting it back into the uh, deeper waters. These sailors, too, happened to stop in Myra. And same story. They saw the picture or the portrait of St. Nick um, and learned that he was a bishop. And they relayed their story to the church officials. Um, and they even said, like, we know we sound crazy. Like, this really happened. Like, this is a real thing. And the church leaders all acknowledged that it was a real thing. And they told them, hey, like, this was a man who was really well known for his generosity. Uh, you know, and wanting to help people who are in worse shape. Um than what he was. And uh, both of these myths, I think, can be traced back right to things we do today. The food drives around this time of year uh, to help feed um, hungry people um, and just helping one another in general, lending a helping hand and whatnot. Um, I think we can trace it right back to these myths um, and these stories that have been told about St. Nick all of these years. Um, and, you know, we don't do sentiment, sentimentality around this place. Um, but if, if, if you can help, if you can, um, give food, please do it. Um, 2020 has been one of those years where a lot of people have been hit hard, um, families are going hungry, and we need to do all we can to stop it. Um, so if you can, if if you're in the position to give, please give. Um, and if you're not, please reach out for help. Um, there, there's no shame in that, uh, and there's no shame in me taking a break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about how Saint Nick became Santa Claus. I'll be right back. And I am back. And have you ever wondered how Nicholas became Saint Nick, became Saint Klaus, uh, which then became Santa Claus, um, and finally Santa Claus? The answer is actually very simple. Um, culture... And the um, the way that certain um, societies pronounce words. So in Myra, he was known as Bishop Nicholas Klaus. And as word uh, traveled about Bishop Klaus, <coughs> um, people started to re um uh, uh, say his name but with it within their own dialect 
Um, and then, um, and again, there's not a lot of information about this, uh, but sometime after his death, uh, the church uh, made him a saint. So he, be, um, he became saint, which in, I believe it was German, um, a saint is actually Santa. Uh, and the pronunciation of Klaus uh, was kind of morphed as um, time went on and we got further and further away from the days of Myra um, into the um, more modern vernacular of Klaus, uh, Klaus. I'm sorry, Klaus. <clears throat> wow, I was having a hard time. Then. <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, when, when you hear Santa Claus... Um, and St. Nick, they really are interchangeable. They really are interchangeable because they really are the same person. Um, there are so many debates um, online and around that St. Nick and Santa Claus are not the same person. But if you actually look at the name um, and you understand the history of this man, they are the same. Uh, and as I mentioned, there is no evidence that he had a wife. Um, and I would be remiss to point out that um, there, while the the story of him punching someone at the conference is widely told, and it is true that he was jailed during that time, um, some scholars believe that it wasn't a, a physical violence uh, story. It was more of a um, another religion, religious persecution. Um, but I could not find any evidence, and they didn't really offer any to support their argument, whereas the <coughs> physical violence did. Um, as for how Mrs. Claus came to be, give me another year. <laughs> Honestly, I will hopefully be able to. Uh, come up with um, whether or not she was a real person uh, and and her whole origin. But as of right now, um, there's not a whole hell of a lot of information. Uh, but I hope y'all enjoyed our little foray into the world of Santa Claus. And um, just again, Will and I both want to Thank you guys for listening from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, we do what we do for you and because of you. Uh, so until we talk again, cheers. Cheers.